the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Walter Anderson Nursery. If you have a green thumb or have always wanted one, then get ready for Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery, hosted by Ken Anderson, along with David Ross, Mark Mahady, and George Allman. Garden Talk aims to introduce new ideas, help solve problems, and keep you up to date on the latest developments in the nursery and landscaping industry. Call in now with your gardening questions, 888-344-1170. That's 888-344-1170. Now, here are your Garden Talk hosts, Ken, David, Mark, and George. Good morning, San Diego. You're listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. I'm Ken Anderson, along with David Ross and George Allman. Mark Mahady is taking the day off today, so it's just going to be the three of us talking to you about all kinds of stuff going on in your yard and garden. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very good, as a matter of fact. I still reek of cigar. I was playing poker with the guys last night. Is that what that was? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm glad I didn't get close enough to know. <laughs> uh, you, you should be, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a very nice, it was a beautiful evening. Sat out in the backyard and uh, my friend's backyard it was just perfect. It's been it's it's been nice out. Yeah. And it was hot morning, in the daytime, but this morning as well, out. it was a warm breeze. I thought I was going to be cold going down and letting out the chickens this morning, but it was very warm. I like the warmth. Crystal. Clear. It was very it was very clear last night too. I noticed on as i was walking home through the neighborhood it was, and, and it still was this morning still, yeah at least in the inland portions and so much for that rain that we were supposed to get on monday it, and tuesday i told you when i was out at when night you were doing with my, the weather with my flashlight i saw little streaks of drizzle yeah, see, coming a, down your house does not count as weather for the entire region though i would say that that is correct i would agree with that Thank you very much. You know what I did do last you night? You sure it wasn't five... a sprinkler that you had on? Yes, I am. <laughs> but last night, even though it was only five minutes, and then this morning it was 30 minutes approximately, I turned on the sprinkler under my avocado tree because it's been hot. It's and I don't think hurt. I watered last week because it's been kind of almost fall. Yeah, that's on my list of things to do today. My, my avocados haven't been getting enough water. So one of them's... Got no foliage on it now, but it's but, but everything's still green. It just doesn't have any leaves on it. So I got to. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna redo the sprinkler system there and put a couple of bubblers over from there. To, leaves are overrated. Yeah, we turned all of ours off, and I've been just putting them on as needed. Yeah, I've been been trying to do that as well. As a matter of fact, it's getting to the point now that sun's moving so so far south that it's starting to shade a majority of uh, my lawn in the backyard, so I can start cutting back on the water on the Bermuda and the Bermuda starting is starting to turn. So before I overseed it with annual ryegrass, I'm going to take the opportunity to go out and spray all the really dark green patches of nut sedge that are now <laughs> clearly visible in the, uh, in the lawn area. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that I'm, as, I'm assuming that's what it is. I don't think it's, I don't think it, I don't think it's crabgrass. Well, Nutsedge is usually on the lighter green side. Well, not when, not compared to dormant Bermuda. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Compare and contrast. Yeah. My Bermuda is very happy right now. It is. It frequently doesn't get enough water during the summer, so it Go figure. looks strange during the summer. But right now, after the rains we've had and, and the warm weather, and it's kind of a slightly southern-facing slope, so it's it looks perfect right now. For the best month. Bermuda, best Bermuda of the season. Yes, is right now of the year. Yeah, because this is about the time that you should start thinking about overseeding. I am not going to. No, I will. I did overseed. I will eventually. My folks, because my dad wants to redo his lawn, and I thought, 
maybe we could just overseed with annual rye and push this off. And Does he have a Bermuda lawn as well? Well, or is it more of a domesticated weeds? It's domesticated weeds with Bermuda. It's always been since I was a little kid. The Bermuda lawn on the top has been a work in progress. And one year he sprinkled dichondra seed in it so that the dichondra would be green in the winter when the Bermuda was dormant so we wouldn't have to do anything. But that didn't work. And then it went to fescue with significant amounts of significant areas of Bermuda. And now it's just weeds and stuff. And so I threw annual rye on it. And then the... uh, (laughs) then they had the septic company come out and pump the septic tank. So, you know, there's a huge chunk of it that got dug up. And so all of the annual rye there is now no longer with us. But the good news is you throw the rye down and in a week it's perking its head up, looking around. Uh, That's what I thought. But this took almost two weeks. It took At one week there was almost no germination and I was thinking, oh, I didn't give it enough water. But at two weeks it was totally fine, minus that one little... Maybe it wasn't yeah, it's 10 by 10 patch. I, I, when I overseed my lawn, it usually it's, they say it'll come up in a week. It's, for me, it's usually 7 to 10 days. Well, I remember one time taking some annual rye seed and putting it over a, a bulb, over paper whites, mm-hmm. and it was up in, in five days. And so that's my standard now. It should that's be up in less than well, that if, in the nursery. If you did, right? yeah, if you did it over paper whites, though, they're probably constantly wet. Well, and it was in a constant environment because they were inside yeah (laughs) came right up and that's my standard so i was worried but it all came up and all is right in the world i guess i was looking at my front lawn the other day which actually looks pretty good and it was supposed to be well because it's the warm side of the yard well when (laughs) i but see when i put it in it was it was tall fescue i'm not sure what it is now but it's not tall fescue well almost looks like a kuyu but it probably is, it, but it, I but there's none in my backyard, which I don't understand because the gardener uses the same lawnmower to cut the front and the back lawn. Maybe it's been too cool in the backyard, so it didn't get established. It could be. I don't but know. People ask, "What's the best grass for Southern California?" And I always tell them, "You can either put in Bermuda, or you can spend the rest of your life trying to keep Bermuda out of your lawn." But if if comma if you are proactive with something like turf lawn ester, you can eradicate Bermuda, but you have to be George Allman, I'm surprised at you. Turf lawn ester is not a natural and organic product. That is true, product. but you know, I, I think I've shared this before. I came to a class at Walter Anderson Nursery many, many years ago on meadows, and the young man that was teaching it was has done meadows for like Barbara Streisand and Sting. He's a, he, was, he did a lot of meadows. That was, that was Greenlee. And he stood there, and he was a big organic guy, and he dismissed and poo-pooed the idea of the the mow and blow guys who come in and just you know they don't they know nothing about your yards. They, and they're and he was big organic. Use these fertilizers. Use this. And then someone said, you know, I've tried this multiple times, putting a meadow in, and I always end up with Bermuda grass and other weeds. And he he reached under the table and he brought up a can of Roundup, a bottle of Roundup, and he said, you have to start with this because you have to eradicate the Bermuda grass before you put your meadow in despite all of his uh, organic credentials. So therefore, I stand by that. Sometimes you have to use the harsher chemicals before you put your good stuff in. Okay. Now I understand everything you just said to me, but with the Turflon ester, you're talking about it as post. a post. That is so true. But that... I'm using it in the same way that you have to go. Sometimes you have to, that Bermuda grass will take over everything. Yes, it will. And so when people ask me what's the best lawn, I said, Anything that's not Bermuda grass, so it doesn't get into your vegetable garden, your flower beds, your everything. What about- well, see, that's the funny thing about my Bermuda lawn in the backyard. It has not migrated anywhere outside of the lawn area. <clears throat> it hasn't gone into the roses, hasn't gone into the vegetable garden, hasn't gone into the planters on the right side. It stays right in the area. And I, I've had it for what, probably five or six years now. That is least. because you have a it- properly bordered Long. Yeah, but it should it. still it could still jump over that. I mean, the the border's not that high. It makes so. it sound like excuse me. It makes it sound like it's a living thing. I mean, it is living, but I mean, it's like got feet and it's going to jump over and. But it does. Yeah, those it runners will. it will go everywhere. Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen uh, bam clumping. I've seen clumping bamboo go over eighteen inch um, root barrier. I know because my it's in my neighbor's yard. And it started, started in yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I put and I put and you were I, a good neighbor. I, I put I put in a I put in a long section of the eighteen inch 
root barrier, that hard plastic right. root barrier that we had. And it went over and or it, under it? I'm not sure which, but all I know is it's on the other side of the fence. Or at least it was until I took I took the bamboo out, and then I think it's slowly disappeared from their yard, too. So, I wonder if Turflon Ester would take care of that. It's a big grass. That is a grass. That is a, it's a big grass. grass. And, you know, Turflon Ester, it, if, you, if you don't mind using... Chemicals. If you're not chemical <laughs> adverse, Turflon Ester is an it, it's not cheap, no. but you don't use very much of it either. It's no. it's very very concentrated, um, and it it controls a tremendous amount of stuff. A lot of broadleaf weeds as yeah. well. It, when I, when my lawn was fescue, that was usually what I used because it was it's extremely effective and it controls a a wide variety of stuff. I, I, this is where I'm very much like David. I had purchased some Turflon Ester and the herbicide helper to help it adhere better, and it's. In the garage where... Oh, you haven't applied it? I, I showed it to the weeds, but I haven't gotten out there yet. And they're waking, aren't they're they? Yeah. They know that any day better, now, any day now. You better stay under control or That's I'm right. going to break this out. I'm glad you mentioned the broadleaf weed-killing properties of Turflon Ester. It is also very good for killing anything with a broadleaf if it drifts. And That's we were true. talking yeah. about drift. So yeah. it is a great tool to have in the arsenal. But make sure it doesn't drift onto the rose garden next to the lawn. Or, or anything for that matter. Anything. Or broad anything leaf. that you don't want to kill. Yes. Yeah. Anything with a broad leaf. Uh, let's see. What do we got going oh, on? Classes. I was gonna. I was just getting to that. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Why? Well, okay. Today, the 13th in San Diego, it's going to be Bonsai Basics with Richard. That's going to be at nine o'clock. And in Poway, it's going to be Permaculture with Steve Atkinson. Now, who? So Steve is a uh, cohort of uh, Brigitte. Okay. Uh, Brigitte introduced him to okay. me, and he's, he does uh, permaculture, creating a food forest. So this should be good, you know, piggybacking off of our uh, Tom Spellman fruit tree thing that we recently had. Yeah, and, and we're going to go over some of that later today, too. And Tyler's composting class we recently had, so. Okay, so that's, gonna, that's at 9.30 in the Poway store. In both instances, especially in San Diego, get there early to get a to get a parking space and a, and a good seat. Um Next weekend in Poway, Ted from the San Diego store is going to be coming up and doing a houseplant class, and that's going to be at 9.30. And in San Diego, Olivia is going to be doing a native plant class. Oh, and when my dad was up at the up the other day, I was, talk, I was out talking to him as he was working on staghorns, and I asked him who the point of contact is for staghorns in San Diego now that uh, Rich, Rich, is- Rich has departed. Uh, and Olivia is the point of contact. Or staghorn. So if you have a stag, if you're closer to the San Diego store and you have a staghorn that needs some that needs some work uh, or needs to be remounted or you just want some advice on it, uh, Olivia is the one to ask for down there in Poway. It's still yeah, please, please be closer to the San Diego store, <laughs> at least for the next few weeks. Um, <laughs> Olivia has been taking on more and more things. She's, yeah, she's good. She's got a lot going on, and she's good. Yeah, she's very, very good. good. So that's what's going on there. Oh, and also some good news. Um, for those of you that might remember prior to the pandemic, uh, we used to go over the San Diego Botanical Garden Foundation events that go on in Balboa that are listed on their calendar in Balboa Park every year. And not too long after the pandemic started, that all went out the window when they canceled everything that was going on in Balboa Park. There was a time before the pandemic? <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. Um, you didn't learn about it in your history classes? I guess not. I'm sorry. So, But anyway, continue on the I talked. I, I exchanged emails with Tom Durr from the uh, San Diego Botanical Garden Foundation. And if you go to SD, sdbgf.org, you will find their calendar, and it's all up and it's all running. Yes? Can we put a, just put a link on our website? So that they could just go to WalterAnderson.com and then click on the I'll link. I'll have to and find it. I'll get. I'll put it on our. I'll put it on our Facebook oh, page on at Facebook least. Page. Yeah, both, but anyway, both pages. I'll put George the, on that. The Botanical Garden Foundation calendar is up. It is running, yes. and the events are there. There's no. I was looking to see if there was any of the flower shows coming up, uh, and there's. Not that I can see right now. The Poway Valley Garden Club show was this weekend. Oh. And I think it was yesterday. I don't know if it extends into today or not. But I know it was yesterday. I don't know either, unfortunately. All right. 
Anyway, you're listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. If you'd like to give us a call, 888-344-1170 is the number. We have got more coming up for you right after this. Get your gardening questions answered by calling 888-344-1170. That's 888-344-1170. There is more Garden Talk on the way. Welcome back to Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery. Got a gardening question? Call 888-344-1170. 888-344-1170. Now, Here's your hosts, Ken Anderson, David Ross, Mark Mahady, and George Allman. And we're back. You're listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. I'm Ken Anderson along with David Ross and George Allman. Mark Mahady has the day off, and I see Brendan is uh, playing some music in honor of his birthday today. Happy birthday, Brendan. Happy birthday, senor. Thank you so much, guys. Happy birthday, young man. Yes, that's right. (laughs) I want emphasis on that young part, because I'm starting to get grays in the hair, and I just want to remind myself that I'm still young. Well, at least you still have more hair than I do. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. You can Uh, come hang out with us. Between well, I, that'll take piece. care of it. Really, yeah, you'll be real young. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You know, one of the we did we didn't mention it uh, this week because it's already happened. But last Wednesday, when, no, this Wednesday, two, couple nights, days ago, couple days ago, <laughs> uh, Tom Spellman came down from Dave Wilson Nursery and did an evening class at the Poway store, which was very well attended, as his classes usually are. And he talked about uh, backyard orchard uh, culture. And he also, and if you if you missed his class, uh, one of the things that he referred to in his class was uh, our How to Prune Fruit Trees and Rose book, which the latest edition has a section of backyard on backyard orchard that he was kind enough to let us reprint. So if you missed his class and you want to see get the gist of what he was talking about, come in and grab a book because uh, we have them and we do have them in both stores. Can we go off topic, or it's kind of a sure. related, but. People did not want to participate in hot dogs, Farmer John B. Franks. Do you think that's a COVID thing that people just want to – I was wearing gloves, and I changed them frequently. I don't know. Well, I sadly, I, I, I did far more Farmer John B. Franks than I should have done. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Try to I, make up for it. <laughs> I, I don't eat a lot of, of those. I mean, I, I get the craving once in a while, but mm. I just – they were there. George was my best customer. Ah. <laughs> uh. But one of the one of the other things that Tom brought with him was a and did you were you going to post this? It, actually, I have a link on our on the Facebook page from on, uh, from the class and it okay. has and we did this a couple of weeks ago as a back as a one of our Wednesday wisdoms. So there's a link okay. on there for DaveWilson.com backyard orchard culture, which will give you a lot of information on uh, high intensity mm-hmm. planting, pruning, and things of that sort. But Tom left us uh, his top twenty one fruit trees and i was going over it i thought there was some there's some there's some very interesting stuff in there uh his well, number go before ahead. you do that just to, no. you know why are these tom's top 21 what makes you know is it just because tom likes these to eat or there's some characteristics that make them uh according better? to tom so tom's picks were selected for their ability to produce quality fruit in southern california coastal and inland valleys as well as in arizona and california lower deserts where wintertime chill hours are less than 500 per year Consideration was also given to varieties that will successfully successively ripen throughout the summer. Uh, planting of the following selections would be expected to produce flavorful, quality stone and palm fruits from mid-May through October. So, one of the number one the number one thing on his list was Dorset Golden Apple. And the thing that really got me about Dorset Golden, which I did not know before until I was reading this, is that it came from the Bahamas. Which that's the last place that I would think an apple would come from. I would agree with that. Yep. So, but you know what's gl- what caught my eye first thing on this apple list? 
was that it was limited. What is not there. And Anna Apple is not there. Is that the one you're going to say? Yes. I agree. He mentions Anna when he's talking about the Dorset Golden. Oh, let me see. I didn't read that far down. <laughs> so it's self fruitful and works well as a pollinizer for other early season apples like Anna. Maybe that's why he doesn't isn't as excited about the Anna because it does better with the pollinizer. Maybe. Anna's a it's a decent it's a decent apple. I re, I remember when that first came out, like thirty plus years ago. Well, see, I have problems with the Dorset Gold. It's a wonderful, productive apple in Southern California. You just don't like the fruit. Well, it ripens. All at once, and Typically, it does not yes. hold on the tree very well. And it goes from a really good, crisp, crunchy apple to really mealy. We should make applesauce out of this rather quickly. Like I, that, I agree. Yeah. But it, it is. I just have to get to it more quickly. But it, it, it doesn't hold on the tree at all, and that has become one of my favorite attributes in in any kind of fruit: is how long will it stay on the tree so that you don't have to get to it all at once or lose it. And and t- that's the whole point of sequential ripening when you're using their their chart of when things ripen so that you can have them all season have long. Everything keep stretching. But if out. they stay on the single tree for two or three months, like some many will do, that partially takes care of the problem in one tree. Uh, another ver- another favorite of his, which is very popular in the stores around here. So if you don't want to pay for them in the store, you can grow your own. Is Fuji. Fuji apple is a, it's actually a very it is a very good apple I I have to admit I, it's uh, probably one of my favorites another one another one of his favorites is Pink Lady um, also known as Crips Pink and it's a cross between Golden Delicious and Lady Williams and here's another one that I never would have thought of from Western Australia so and we were we were talking about we were that. talking yeah, about that there's yeah, some good I, I haven't been to Western Australia a lot we, uh, there are a lot of good. Re, um, Apple growing regions, much like our Julian here in San Diego. You know that, which, which reminds me, there there's some very good. I remember when we were down there, there's some very very good apple growing regions in um, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They grow a lot of apples in New Zealand, and one of the interesting things about the way they grow apples in New Zealand, they grow them like they do grapes. They grow them on trellises, um, and it looks like it looks like a vineyard, but it's apple trees, like all espalier. Yeah, it's all espalier. Yeah, yeah. which. Makes it easy to harvest and control, and um, I thought that was very. In- I do remember seeing that when we were down there. It's very interesting. Uh, going, moving on through his list, uh, he's got a couple of apriums on here, um, which is a cross between a plum and an apricot. Um, Flavor delight is one, and cotton candy is the other. Those are both intergeneric hybrids. Both excellent, excellent. Now, are they more like apricots or are they... The apriums, if you didn't say it's an aprium or I didn't tell you it was an aprium, it's an apricot, especially okay. Flavor Delight. Uh, it looks just like an apricot. The tree looks like it. It's trained like it. It's trimmed like it. You wouldn't know unless somebody told you it had the plum genetics in it. We you just, wouldn't know. We just put one in this past uh, bare root season. It's, it's very productive. Great, great piece of fruit and early in the season. And then cotton candy, I don't know... It's so different. You might suspect there's something different about it, but it looks like an apricot, and the tree, all of the culture is apricot, apricot. not plum. Okay. And then moving on, uh, big hit for Southern California, uh, cherries, mini royal and royal lee. Uh, very low chill hour, very low chill hour cherries uh, should produce very well pretty much throughout Throughout San Diego. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, but you have to have both of them, right? Yeah, Correct. Are, yeah. they need, but I saw your face, David. There's one missing there. Yes. And, and did I would he su- mention it yesterday, uh, Wednesday? I don't remember him mentioning it, and I would suspect that this is just an older list, and it just didn't catch up. But the Royal Crimson, which is also and, a low chill, and it's self That's self-fertile. And it will okay. also uh, pollinate either of these two. So it's a very yes. it's a very good addition to your cherry orchard if you have some. And that's so, Royal so Crimson. So plant three. Yes. Plant three. Uh, I'll say moving on. Arctic Star Nectarine, um, very low chill. Uh, believe dark red exterior, snow white interior flesh. Um, earliest to ripen, low acid, super sweet. I, you know, I do, I do like a good nectarine. I like the yellow nectarines better. Well, then I you'd think. probably like Double Delight. We have a Double Delight. Yeah, uh, which is another one of his. And then Snow Queen is another one that is uh, on his list. So he's got three nectarines on there. Um, Nectaplum, spicy nectaplum, 
Is that the one that comes out with the really bron- the red, red foliage? Red foliage. Yeah. That, is, that is a fantastic Delicious. piece of fruit. Delicious. Now, that gets the thrip damage, though, pretty well, most easily. Of them do. Yeah. Oh, the nectarines do, yeah. Very easily. Peaches don't seem to get that. It must yeah, be the fuzz. Must, that fuzz must protect them from the thrip damage. You know what? That could be. The thrips look at the peaches and they go, hey, it's the fuzz. Let's get out of <laughs> oh, here. Is that what happens? Yes. And they run over to the, okay. And they run to the nectarines. All right. Speaking of peaches, <laughs> uh, August Pride is one of his favorites. Um, another one which kind of surprised me but because I don't think I've ever had one, but he seems to be pretty big on it, is uh, donuts. The donut peach? Donut peach. Yeah, the Stark Saturn. Stark, Stark Saturn. Right. It's a great peach. Which is a kind of a, looks like it got stepped on. Yes. It's a, it's a, a flat <laughs> peach. It's a, it's, a, it's a unique looking. He's actually, God, he's got a lot of peaches on here. The Eve, flavor is great. Eva's Pride is another one of his favorites. Uh, Mid Pride. Um, and Red Baron, which actually is a is a neat tree because not only do you get a spectacular flowering season out of it, but you get good fruit out of the it. The fruits it, it's very precocious. I mean, that thing produces quickly. Uh it it's productive and it is as Ken said, it is a gorgeous tree. It's great to have in the yard just for the flowers. Exactly. You have your your fruit trees are all blooming in whites and pinks and then you have this deep pink red a red baron. It's it's a standout. We we plan on putting a couple more in even though we already have one just for the color. Yeah. Yeah, it is it's a outstanding tree for that. Uh, as far as plums are concerned, Burgundy is his choice. It's a Japanese-type plum rated at 150 to 300 hours. I wonder uh, if that's because it, it is also a good pollinator for some of the other, like the pluots and other things, so perhaps he that's why he that. likes that. Yeah, he does mention that. And then moving on into pluots, we have Emerald Drop and Flavor Grenade. Um, Emerald Drop looks like a looks like a green-gauge plum to me. But as it ripens, it changes in color and flavor. It's, so it stays on the tree for a long time if the critters don't get to it first and it goes from a that green gauge like plum to this beautiful pale apricot colored super sweet fruit it, it changes over the over the the period of its ripening over a period of weeks and uh, maybe even a month or two and that's one of my favorites right there because of that does it have a tart skin on it like a it's Green tart. Plum. The whole thing is kind of tart when it starts. A, a little less sweet when it starts. But as it ripens, the flavors totally change, and it is fantastic. Good to know. And then another one of the pluots that he like, that he thinks very highly of is uh, Flavor King. Um, How many hours of chill does it say for 400. that? 400. Okay. Yeah, I think we just put a Flavor King, Flavor King in also this past bare root season. And it's a darker... Purple skin and a and crimson flesh on the flavor king. Uh, you've been listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. We've got a few more things to go over on a couple more things to go over on this, and then uh, John Clements from the San Diego Botanical Garden is on the line. He's going to be giving us an update on the second corpse flower that's going to be blooming up there shortly. We'll be back with more right after this. Get your gardening questions answered by calling 888-344-1170. That's 888-344-1170. There is more Garden Talk on the way. Welcome back to Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery. Got a gardening question? Call 888-344-1170. 888-344-1170. Now, here's your hosts, Ken Anderson, David Ross, Mark Mahady, and George Allman. And we're back with more Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. Uh, let's see, we've got one more of uh, Tom's 21 before we go to um, John up at the San Diego Botanical Garden, and it is uh, Splash Pluot. A small to medium-sized red-orange colored fruit with very sweet orange flesh. Consistently high taste test scores. Around uh, a heart-shaped fruit is excellent. Eaten fresh, dried, or in dessert. So that is uh, that rounds out Tom Spellman's top 21 
fruit trees. Uh, if you're looking for something to put in your yard to uh, enjoy. When, when would they come in? When would be the best time for somebody to find these top 21? Well, I don't know, Dave. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> I am thinking the last week of December or the first week of January is when the bulk of the bare root fruit trees are be coming is, in. We're expecting, yeah. Yes. So. At, except for the potted bare root, air quotes, <laughs> Today's oxymoron. oxymoron. Um, Brought to you who, by David. Who you call in an oxymoron? <laughs> um, the potted stuff, the the kind of grapes, sleeved, the sleeved, sleeved. the grapes, the pomegranates, the figs, the blueberries, caneberries, and somebody reminded me yesterday the dwarf mulberries, mulberries right. will all be coming mulberries. in. Goji berries, either next week and gojis, either gooseberries. next week and gooseberries and olives. Did you and olives. Yeah, that's it. And nothing. And this pencil. No, and my it. stapler <laughs> and my it. dog, um, and this chair. <laughs> Where was? Oh, those are due. Uh, I guess in this next week, either that or the week of Thanksgiving. So those will all be in sooner than the true bear roots. So we're going to have to come up with a new phrase, word, name for potted bear root. <laughs> and we may just have to call them something else because I think maybe we just call it sleeved. Maybe we just call it bare root season. Yes. Okay. So. And what I'm waiting for, what will be really exciting, I think, is for them to start doing the persimmons in sleeve pots because there's a high attrition rate on persimmons with people take home. And that there was, seems to be. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of kind of like the pecans and uh, walnuts have and figs a, and pomegranates. They have a very high. Uh, but the pomegranate that that's taken care of now with the. Sleeved pomegranates. Right, and I want them to do that with the, with the persimmons. I should have talked to him about that. That would be very nice if they, if they could do something like that. So with that, we are going to go to the phones. We're going to talk to John up at the San Diego Botanical Garden. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning, guys. I loved Tom's talk. And by the way, I had two hot dogs, so I made up for some of the people that didn't take it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> George, well, thank George you, John. had three or four. Yeah. I just want everybody to know. Five, six, six. <laughs> but I don't have the bun, so it's not the same. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. But... <laughs> and so, I do think, by the way, that that dwarf mulberry is a highly underrated tree. I, I love mine, and which I purchased at Walter Anderson, by the way, about five years ago. And uh, I was working in the large yard last week, and I ate to my fill right now of dwarf mulberries. There's, they have a secondary crop in the fall which is really nice, and uh, it is such a nice piece of fruit. But in the spring, we get about a gallon a day of those, and uh, wow. we make them into pie, we juice them, eat them fresh. It's fabulous. It's highly productive. I have one as well. About how big is the has the tree gotten, John, or how, how big have you let it get? Or uh, I've let it get to about 12 to 14 feet, uh, and that's a, in five years. And, John, did you head it, or did you just keep it like a big shrub? I just keep it like a big shrub. Yeah, that's how mine is as well. I was going to say 12 to 14 feet is tiny for a mulberry. Well, but it's a dwarf. It's listed yeah, no, as I know. a dwarf. Yeah. I know. But, but if you were to start yeah. pruning that and make it and head it, it can become a tree. Well, I have one of the old top grafted Dave, Wil- Dave Wilson, uh, Cook mulberries. Cook. Mm-hmm. And it's probably, it doesn't grow real fast, but it's probably 15 plus feet because I haven't been pruning it enough. But it produces so many mulberries. It's and a great. It's an underrated piece of fruit. I, I agree with John, especially that one. It's so productive. Do you know what my problem is with it? It's so hard to get the fruit off of the tree without making a mess. Uh, just you should have got a white mulberry. Yeah, you saw the pictures where I looked like I had been damaged, didn't you, when yeah. I picked them? I'm sorry. Let's get back to John. Yeah, John, back sorry. to you. What, 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 kind of an update, what kind of an update do you have us on the uh, second corpse flower? This is uh, Stinking Beauty, correct? Stinking Beauty. It, it's growing very quickly now. It's, it's doing three inches a day. Uh, and it looks like I'm going to guess. Now you see I'm going to sound like I'm at the racetrack now prognosticating this. <laughs> but I'm thinking it, it will be around Wednesday, Thursday this okay. coming week. Oh, and right around the corner. People, yeah, it's pretty near, uh, but they they speed up and they slow down. It's very hard to predict, but we will post updates on the website. And we had people, average wait was about 45 minutes all the way through about 9 p.m. when that plant was going. It actually got busier after 5 o'clock, and um, 
if you want to see it during the day, it's a little bit shorter line. And uh, the, the other thing we're going to do, we will be open the night that that opens up, probably until 11, maybe even midnight. And that, if you want to experience the full stink, of <laughs> that is when you want to come. And by the way, I do really highly endorse coming for that because it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience to have one of these in full, rotting, stinking bloom. And it's only about a maybe four-hour window when that really stinks. By the time people get to see it the next day and the day after, it, it really is not living up to its name of corpse flower. But that first night, it, it would be stinky, rotting, cannery, bad, stinky feet, uh, <laughs> dead body, all kind of all rolled into one, and it comes in waves. Which well, you're is making so it sound very, very inviting. A stench to behold. <laughs> Well, it is, you know, from a botanical perspective for a plant nerd, it really is enticing because you know, when are you going to ever experience that? And it's from a plant. And uh, what's neat, too, is that that spadix, that I call it the Tower of Morgor, you know, this thing that kind of hovers above the plant, that thing gets hot. And we actually touched it, which I had to wash the stink off my hands afterward, but uh, it actually radiates heat very intensely. And it was up to 97 degrees. Uh, and, you know, the surrounding air temperature was 64 at night, but it's 97. And uh, when it would spike on the temperature, then the smell would also uh, correspondingly uh, kind of emanate from the plant. That's pretty amazing. And so, it, it, you know, it's just such a neat, uh, natural experience to see this thing and, they, you know, get the smell, the whole thing. And so watch the website, and uh, we will be open that first night if you want to come by and experience this thing. And now um, back to the back to the original, the, the first one that flowered. You had tried um, pollinating it. Do you know if you were successful or not? It's a little early to tell, but it does look like uh, it's starting to form some fruit. But we won't know for sure for a while. Oh well, we'll keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully, uh, you'll be able to get some off of that. Yeah, we're going to uh, probably pollinate this next one too. Uh, but uh, the flowers were. When we did it, they seemed like they were just a little bit uh, prior to being receptive. So we may have to stay till about 2 or 3 in the morning to get uh, the flowers when they're really ready. Well, good. I hope you have good luck with that. Uh, you know, in, our, in the next issue, no, well, I don't know if it's going to be in December or in January, but when we were up there, when George and Mel and I were up there and we were walking around the, the um, gardens after we saw the flower, uh, one of the trees that was there that caught my attention was the uh, Gathus robusta that you have growing there, which is you have a beautiful specimen of one at the garden. There. Oh, that is beautiful. That was planted in 1957. Wow. And, uh, so what was the common name on that again? Cowrie. 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 Yeah. So there, we're, I wrote an article for the newsletter for our newsletter about that, and it's going to feature a photo of the of. Uh, of your tree and then there's also links to pictures of the ones that are by the statue of el cid in balboa park and also uh tana mahuda which is the sacred cowrie sacred cowrie pine that's in on the north island in new zealand that my dad and i visited in the 1980s which is unbelievably huge i was looking it up the other day and where's it at um it's 1,250 to 2,500 years old, which is that's a pretty big range. Um, but the trunk height is 58 feet, and the trunk girth is 50, 50 feet. The volume of the trunk is 9,020 cubic feet, or 108,240 board feet of lumber, or roughly the equivalent of 300 to 400 refrigerators. Let's chop that thing down. We need the wood. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's it is a, it's a pretty, it, it's protected. Uh, thank God. Uh, or David, David would go, obviously, obviously David would be there, yeah, running it through a uh, sawmill. But it, 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 that, it, that's a beautiful um, evergreen conifer, and they, they are few and far between. We do bring them in when we can find them, uh, as one of our growers will have them available from time to time. Um, and we had some last year. I don't know if we still have any now, but it, it's a beautiful tree, and your, yours is really, really nice. It's one of the nicer ones I've seen in, in this yeah, part that, of the country. that is one of my uh, favorite trees. The agathas are just absolutely gorgeous, and, and I planted 
six um, Agathis astralis, which are from New Zealand, uh, about a year and a half ago, and they're doing really well. But, yeah, whenever you can get those trees, they're definitely worth bringing in. Now, I called the one that the that I took the photo of uh, Robusta. Is that a Robusta or is that an Australis, the big one? Yeah, the big one is a Robusta. Okay, okay. I wanted to make sure I was going to go through and correct my uh, article if I had mistaken that. So I'm glad but I But it is it right. striking, John, because as we were walking around the gardens after we looked at the flower, Ken, Ken stopped and paused and just stared at it for a few seconds and then, and then – then started discussing it. It really it, it caught everybody's eye as we walked past it. Yeah, beautiful tree. Beautiful tree. Well, John, thank you very much for getting up early and giving us a call and giving us an update. And uh, hopefully we'll have a bunch more people coming out to take a look at the uh, uh, second corpse flower blooming uh, midweek for you. Well, thanks so much. And uh, I appreciate you all coming out and enjoying it. That was our pleasure. It was, re- it was really neat. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Bye-bye, guys. Okay, take care. You're listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with more right after this. Get your gardening questions answered by calling 888-344-1170. That's 888-344-1170. There is more Garden Talk on the way. Welcome back to Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery. Got a gardening question? Call 888-344-1170. 888-344-1170. Now, here's your hosts, Ken Anderson, David Ross, Mark Mahady, and George Allman. To the garden party, they all knew my name. No one recognized me. I didn't look the same, but it's all right now. I learned my lesson well. You see, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. And we're back. With more Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. I'm Ken Anderson along with David Ross and George Allman. Mark Mahady has the day off. Uh, finally got some good news on the potato front. The seed potatoes have arrived and they have cleared egg and they are Out. on the floor for sale. As a matter of fact, I was joking with uh, George yesterday when I saw the selection that we have and... If you're out running around and want to pick up some seed potatoes for the garden and you want to get some for dinner, you might as well just stop in because they look it looks like a potato section of a grocery store. The seed potatoes Better are than. so big. Yeah, David, real quick, uh, what are the names of the varieties? Uh, there's 18 of them. <laughs> 18 different varieties. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even know there were 18 different varieties of potatoes. The whites, but, the reds, and the yellows, right? Did we get purples? And purples. Oh, we have, we got we have everything. Varieties. We have everything. <laughs> everything. Uh, you know, real quick, you know, John just was on with us again. Mm-hmm. John's offered to come up. He's going to teach a class for us in February. We haven't narrowed down what we're going to do yet, but uh, so we'll have him at the Poway store uh, presenting. He'll be a so very he's good He's a class. wealth of knowledge. Yes. yes. Very, 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 very good guy. Uh, let's see. So let's see. Uh, yeah. So uh, potatoes are available. Seed potatoes are available in both stores uh, as of now. So I would go in if you want to start them. Easy to grow. Um Come in while the selection is good, because this is the only order that we're going to get, right? Or is there a reorder? No, this is it. This is it. This and, is it. And one of the reasons the seed potatoes were delayed, it turns out to come from Montana to San Diego, this truck made a stop in Minnesota first. Oh, <laughs> it's right on the way. Right on the way. So, but they're, but they're here. here. They're they're here. here. Would they're, that explain the shipping costs that you were complaining about? No, actually, oh. I the shipping costs were proportional proportionally the same or maybe a little less than they were last year. Oh, hmm. okay. But we got twice as many potatoes to divvy it up. It wasn't bad. But I wouldn't have gone to Minnesota to get to San Diego. I wouldn't you know. either, but who knows? I'm not a professional uh, truck driver. I, I'm, not, so. I'm not a logistics <laughs> specialist. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go to the phones, and we're going to go out to El Cajon where Andy is waiting. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good morning, fellas. What can we do for you? I have a beautiful setsuma mandarin and i would like to graft that onto 
two uh, key lime rootstocks. They were seedlings that grew from just from seeds in the, uh, from a tree, and they're in a five-gallon bucket. But I wanted to uh, do the graft. I attempted it myself, but I wasn't very successful. So my question is, you guys have a service or know somebody that does a service of grafting? Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Peacock or Richard Wright, I think either of those two people and maybe others out there would uh, would do grafting for you. Yeah, and I, I get a hold are, of they, are they on they, our referral yeah, if you, list? Yeah, if you go to our uh, WalterAnderson.com uh, webpage and top right it says referrals, click on that drop down and, and there's a host of people on there including Kirk Peacock and Richard Wright. Yeah, either one of them should be able to should be able to help you out. Perfect. Thank you very much, fellas. Okay. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. Okay. Take care. Uh, speaking since that we was were, very easy. That was an easy one. Uh, since we were talking about citrus, I had a customer call um, earlier this week, and or no, emailed. Uh, they were looking for organically grown citrus trees, and unfortunately, with the quarantine that California is under because of the Asian citrus psyllid you are not going to be able to find organically grown citrus trees you, you legally can, in the market. Yeah, and you could take a tree that you have legally found in the market here, which has been treated with non-organic pesticides to control the Asian citrus psyllid. You could take that tree, and if you grow it organically, I think it's, it's somewhere between it 12 was, and 24 months. I thought, I thought it was about two years, yeah. Uh, then you can... You could call it organic. It'll be... You could get it certified organic or you can call it organic according to the state of california and you know just because just because something is just because you buy any kind of fruit or vegetable that's not organic that's not or that's let me you can buy any kind of fruit or vegetable that is traditionally grown and if you want to grow it organic all you have to do is change your cultural practice once you put it in the ground um and from that point on it will be organic. Uh, there is a, if you wanted to get it certified, there is that time period. Well, like I, said, I was trying to find it the other day on the California Ag Department website, which has just got way too much information on it. Uh, but I thought the I thought it was uh, twenty four months. If you or if you if you grow it organically for twenty four months, then it could be it could be certified organic now don't quote me on that but i believe that's what it was Well, and tom when he was talking about fruit was mentioning that for how long should you not allow fruit to grow because it's gonna the energy he, he talked about how much energy the fruit production takes from the development of a young tree did you pay I, attention I might, to that I, I paid attention to a lot i don't remember that i may okay. not have been standing near and him you, at the time you shouldn't leave the fruit on on a young tree so that the energy does go into roots and shoots and stems and leaves. Having said that, I never, <laughs> you don't defer. follow that in Well, you know, I, 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 I haven't, I mean, I've, I've culled quite a bit, but I've always left a few because it's, you know, my water and energy going into it that I want to eat as a matter it's of a payback. As a matter of fact, I have a Satsuma Mandarin at home in a five gallon bucket that probably has 30 or 40 fruit on it the ones we got in earlier this year, it's still in its bucket and it is still alive and it is covered with fruit. And I didn't take any of it off. And your dad brought us in some Satsuma mandarins this week. That's probably my favorite. It is it's, it's a wonderful. Good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, good news, uh, for those, and this has been updated since yesterday, uh, the 2022 fruit tree list is available online at walteranderson.com go to plants and products drop down to plant lists and it is on the top of the right hand column that's the fruit trees that we are expecting we it's not guaranteed that we're going to get them but we are expecting them and also just added overnight the 2022 rose list is now online this just in this just in and the rose list i should have breaking news Yep, the rose, <laughs> loop. the rose list has color photographs of each of the varieties that we are going, that we are expecting, that we are expecting. To and come included in. in that list is the list of David Austin's we are expecting. Slightly less um, conf- confidence in the number of in that list, but the trees we're going to have eighteen inch trunk trees, 
tree roses, 24-inch trunk tree roses, 36-inch trunk tree roses. And for the first time in years, we're getting two varieties of 48-inch trunk tree roses. Which ones? Uh, It's a white pillow talk and pink pillow talk or something like that. Oh. Do you have the list open? No. Yeah. But anyway, too, but they're on a 40, 48 inch inch trunk for those that want a little extra height and weep to their to their tree roses. Yeah, not a lot of new roses this year. I no. was scanning through this. I I spotted three new roses for 2022. There may be more. I may have missed them because I was looking pretty quickly. But I I wonder if that has something to do with the whole pandemic situation and just I'm, I'm going with that i'm yeah. not sure but that's a good that's what i'll call it yeah before we break we're going to be doing the permaculture class food forest in in poway and when you say permaculture what does that mean to you david you hear the word permaculture that means you don't croak it in a short period of time well permanent and culture i, I agree with that there are a couple different uh, what is it? definitions it... but the, the key definition was that it's a conscious design you've, you've developed it and and maintenance of agriculturally productive ecosystems so it's putting in trees and edibles and everything that, that mimics nature. Understory trees, things growing underneath your fruit trees, and the whole food forest is to have a sustainable ecosystem in your backyard that you can pull I from. Rem- I remember it's not nice to mimic Mother Nature, though. <laughs> Isn't that the... I thought it was. it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Okay. We can mimic her but not fool her. There you go. You've been listening to Garden Talk here on KCBQ and KPRZ. I'm Ken Anderson along with David Ross, George Allman. We will be back... Nick, well, George and I will be here next weekend with another hour of Garden Talk. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery, your source for gardening, landscaping, and horticulture news. Still have a question for the Garden Talk crew or want to learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor? Send an email to askanexpert at walteranderson.com. That's askanexpert at walteranderson.com or visit walteranderson.com. There's more professional gardening advice next week at this same time on Garden Talk by Walter Anderson Nursery. This program is sponsored by Walter Anderson Nursery. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.